discipleship, what to do to keep it its best and what to do when it all goes wrong. The Access More Podcast Network has faith-based shows about culture, family, and entertainment without all the other noise so you can discover inspiring conversations easier. Start listening today at accessmore.com. Hey, what's up? Welcome to the pantry. Hello. And I am excited. I, I, I'll tell you what, the person we have on tonight I have been like after him. I'm like, you're going to be on the show. You are going to be on the show, but it's got to be the perfect one. And man, we're talking about discipleship and there is no one better in my my idea or my thoughts right, right. that I would like to have sitting right here right now to have this conversation with us, especially when we're talking about good practices and we're talking about troubleshooting within discipleship. I mean, come on. Jesus sat there <laughs> that one time. Peter says, so, yeah, and he's like, get behind me, Satan. I mean, that's a discipleship moment. He's sitting there bringing this out and he's kind of correcting his disciple. And he's like, uh, hold on a second. And that could be a really uncomfortable position. And it could go in a lot of different directions. And we want to talk with uh, our, our friend tonight to talk about this discipleship. Yeah. You know, I think that if you want it, if you if we convinced you so far on the last few episodes that this is totally worth it. Now you now you're like, OK, well, how do I not mess it up? And what happens if I do or if the other person does or what happens? So we've decided to bring in someone who actually taught Shay an official class at Maryland Bible College and Seminary, taught him about discipleship, our friend, Pastor Ronaldo Brown from Greater Grace World Outreach. So welcome. It's awesome to have you. Yes, it is awesome. Great to be here. Thank you for having me on the pantry. Awesome. Yes, welcome. Sorry there's no snacks. Maybe in the future we'll like express well, ship snacks. Well, I, mean, well, I mean, you got the name The Pantry. I'm looking for food. So. I know, right? All right. Uh, you know what? You just made me think if we ever get there, that would be so It would be so cool to, be to one day. To ship stuff to people. Or like, like get snacks. you here and we're in a literal pantry yes. and there's real yeah. snacks and we just break out some like. Bread, man. Some sauerkraut and jam or something. I don't know. <laughs> Things that are eat. in a pantry, but. But no, welcome to the show. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your ministry, because we didn't really get into that. We wanted you to kind of explain that. Yeah, sure. Uh, about the last quarter century, I've um, done a lot of discipleship here in America, but also in Africa, mostly in Africa. Um, I've been involved in church planning there and church planning here. Um, a lot of ministry involved with men, investment, discipleship, mentoring um, in the church, outside of the church. Uh, uh, parachurch groups, uh, missions, organizations, uh, a lot of that, both in my church and also outside of my church and other organizations and other churches. There really isn't a lot of classes that exist on discipleship. Um, it's not a major in any college, in any Christian college. There's no discipleship major. And there are very few classes in Bible college that say this is discipleship. Right. So uh, there's not a lot there. So a lot of it, it's not taught predominantly, really. Um, so because it's not taught, it's not caught. <laughs> Billy, Graham, Billy Graham said it best. It's not what you, what's taught, it's what's caught that kind of gets people rolling. And what you see most Christians walking in is what's being taught. So when you see a lot of believers that follow certain things in the church, because that's what their church has taught them also, is what they've actually been taught in their experience as a Christian, whether they've been self-taught or instructed in a church or a church group or a Bible study. And they caught pieces of that. And that's what they've actually gone out and uh, uh, lived because you can't live what you haven't learned. You know, right. So I think the first challenge for that for me as a believer, is if I want to learn how to be a disciple somewhere, there has to be some methodology where I'm being taught how to do that. 
Um, otherwise, I'm pretty much just kind of walking. It's like I want to be a carpenter. I just wander the earth looking for opportunities to do carpentry. Uh, it's got to be something bigger than that for me, right? Right. Yeah, you walk, you walk by somewhere, you see a hammer, and a couple of years later, you find a nail. A couple yeah. more years, yeah. you find a piece of wood. <laughs> so like you've had to ask him something. Go ahead. Yeah, I know. I was just curious, when did you realize how big this was? You know, in, in your walk, in all your learning, like, when did you realize, like, this isn't talked about much, it's not taught much, and this is something that I want to figure out. Like, this is my carpentry to, to a degree. Uh. I really, when I looked at the ministry of Christ, the ministry of the believer, um, I kind of got this understanding that it involves people, people <laughs> development. Uh, God came after people. God comes for people. Uh, the Bible begins with God coming to people. He made people, but then he came after people. Right. So I, for me as a believer, I remember I was a young believer and I said, okay, God use me. How are you going to use me? I don't even know what my gifts are. And that's interesting. Some folks think that discipleship is a gift. It is not. Right. It's, it's not a gift. You can't say, well, he's gifted at discipleship or she's not gifted. No. Um, the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18 through 20 is directed to the entire church. So if the entire church is asked by Christ to share their faith, he also says make disciples. The entire church is asked to do that. So as a believer... I am equipped and I am mandated by God to reap, not just share my faith, that would be the gospel, but reproduce my faith, that would be an investment and discipleship. And I think we get stuck on the word discipleship because it doesn't fit in our normal religious vocabulary. Right. You don't walk around and say, hey, she's my disciple. No, it doesn't work like that. So, right. but the word investment is yeah. being a minister means that you're a servant, you're serving people, that's investment. And those are two good words to kind of juxtaposition a little bit in our conversation today. Investing will lead to discipleship. So before you learn discipleship, you have to learn how to be an investor. And mm -hmm. I figured that out, and that's why I jumped on the boat. To sign me up, God, give me a heart for people, and then I began to invest in people without any kind of motive, without any kind of preconceived goal. I'm not trying to take you anywhere. I'm trying to reveal the life of God that I have known and share that with someone else. And that's investing. Now you can do that with believers and unbelievers. You can do that with any human being on the earth. You can be an investor. The woman who sells you green peppers down the street, she's a Muslim woman. You can invest in her. That, that's, that's the unqualified, anywhere you can go. And when you learn how to be an investor, some of those relationships take hold it's more than just me coming by and spending time with you here and there. It starts to get serious. And God shows you, you can invest in everybody, but you won't disciple everybody. So there'll be some folks that God will give you to disciple from the, from the sea of your investment. There'll be some islands of discipleship. Mm. But, just, but understand this, just because you invest in someone, you may not make, they may not become a disciple. That's okay. I'm a minister of God. It doesn't matter. But you will not make a disciple unless you've invested in someone. And that's the key. So investment leads to discipleship, but it might not lead to discipleship. Right. So most yeah. folks don't know how to invest. They try to go from where I'm at to discipleship. Right. And that doesn't happen. Even Jesus said in Mark chapter 3, 12 through 14, he said, he told the disciples something. And he didn't say, go do anything. He said, come be with me. It's the with principle. 
the greatest discipleship tool in the Bible is the with principle. Be with me. There is power in presence. Okay, God, first of all, I want to go to God and say, you know what? God, you came for people. You came for me. Give me your heart for people. I don't naturally have that. I have a heart for me, my people. But for people, give me that. Mm. When you pray that prayer, I remember praying that prayer. I said, God, I prayed that prayer for evangelism because I didn't have a heart for evangelism. And the heart that he gave me for people to win them to Christ, he gave me a heart for people in general, which took me beyond just the gospel. Like, okay, I don't want to bring... I don't want to bring somebody to Christ, but bring the baby home. There's got to be some development. There's got to right. be some right. nurturing right. to, to relation because we were built for we were built for community. Mm. So all discipleship really is is extended investment. It's concentrated investment. It's consistent investment. And I have this definition that I give a lot for discipleship. Um, it is a it is a divine appointment. It's not by accident. I didn't just bump into you in the coffee shop at the church. Uh, it's a divine, God has organized this cataclysmic connection where God brings two or more people together that even they don't see it coming. He brings them together. It's a divine, it's not so much me sitting in the church and we just, I'm that guy, I'm going to disciple that. That's not, you're not, it's not picking. It's not the grocery store. It's not the cafeteria where you start picking. I want the ham and I want the pot roast. No, it's like (laughs) God puts people in your way and then God puts you in people's way. And that cataclysmic connection, that's where it begins. But it's a divine appointment that's personal, meaning that this relationship is going to get personal. So if you're going to, you want to be a disciple maker, understand People are going to get in your life and you're going to get in their life. Right. It's not going to be a distant thing. Right. One of the reasons why a lot of guys don't like discipleship, they don't want to get their hands dirty. They don't want to <laughs> put their hands in the body. They don't want to get close, up close and personal to people. Maybe they want to give $10 to the poor and walk, walk away. Okay. But when you seriously want to minister, don't forget how Christ did it. He came to the earth and dwelt among us mm. in John 1, 14. He got in the middle of our stuff. He got right in the middle of how we are and said, I'm with you. And if you're going to make a disciple, there's the with principle. Again, you got to have to be with people. If you ever want to make a difference in people's lives, you have to be with people. It's, it's one of the things that people struggle with is that they want to make a difference in people's lives and they don't want to get their hands dirty. No, I, I was just thinking about that because that's one of the principles that we, we brought in early that I learned from you guys from Greater Grace World, right? It's like, Okay, you don't have to change your schedule. You don't have to right. make more time on your schedule, but you can bring people into your schedule. And that mm-hmm. is something, you know, we had, a, you know, Kalia was born and we kind of stopped for a little while. Not stopped, but we were there. You know, we're still mingling with the community. Kalia gets a little older. Now we can drag her around. Now it's like, hey, look, we're going up here. Do you guys want to go? Or, hey, we're going over here. Do you want to go? And it just starts to bring in. And it's like, it's amazing to see how God brings this divine appointment into your life. It's not like I'm sitting there going, I'm with you. It's like, oh, I'm going to go talk to him. I've had people come through and they're like yeah i need to make time to go study the bible with these this this man and and disciple him i'm like it's so much more than that it's Mm -hmm. so much more than that it's like hold on Mm -hmm. i'm gonna invest my time into your life like what are you doing hey let's go have a cup of coffee i would love to have more conversations where people are just like hey let's go sit down it's almost natural that when god's involved he gets brought up 
Right. And then yeah. the next thing you know, you're having these conversations on real life things that are happening. What I like all of the things that I'm hearing, they're very encouraging because sometimes people aren't doing this because they're so intimidated. Right. Like you said, like they sure. they forget. I mean, there's there's a lot of little colloquialisms that we use in the church. Like he doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And of course, there's exceptions on all sides. But I think when it comes to something where you kind of you're almost waiting for a professor to come along to be who you learn from. And you're almost waiting to get like a master's or Ph.D. level in something Christian before you feel qualified to go out, as opposed to when when, like you said, they get in there with you in the trenches and they're seeing how the person that's kind of looking up is watching how this person handles things. And maybe they don't always handle them perfectly, but they're learning and they have the mm-hmm. opportunity to also learn how to encourage the person they're looking to for advice. And then in the opposite direction, you don't think you know much, but then you start realizing how much God has taught you mm-hmm. when someone else is like, whoa, whoa, didn't know that. Whoa, that's great. What? That's amazing. And you're like, oh, yeah, it is. And so it, it gives you new perspectives, no matter which role you're kind of taking in the mm-hmm. relationship. It gives you these these different understandings of God when you step into a new role. So we, we've hit some best practices. Right. We, we, we're sitting here. Is there anything else you can think of in that best practice, you know, that, that would wrap mm. that up nicely before we get into <laughs> to the other side of that when it doesn't work? <laughs> and, <laughs> okay. and, and what do you do okay. when that happens, you know? Okay, let's go back to the definition because in the definitions it helps you frame best practices. First of all, it's from God. Right. It's divine. Number two, it's personal, which means best practices is I want to make sure I understand that it's personal. Now, personal does not mean that it, it by personal, it means genuine. It doesn't mean transparent. They don't, they don't know everything about you. They don't know everything about them. Christ never knew. Christ doesn't even touch the disciples family. Except for Peter's mother-in-law that he heals her other than that. There's no mention of the disciples' wives or their kids or their house or their occupation, except for the fishermen, nothing. He doesn't get mixed in that. So anyway, it's personal in the sense of being genuine, organically genuine. When you're for me, you're for me. I don't have to explain my childhood about how whatever happened. That doesn't have to come in the room. Next, it's, it's committed. In that relationship, I need to know that person's committed to me and I'm committed to them. And there's levels of that. There's also levels of maturity in deciding how far I can commit. And it's okay if I can't commit the way the other person can commit because no relationship is 50-50. That's not the point. Christ was much more committed to Peter than Peter was to Christ, and yet they, <laughs> these are the men that turn the world upside down. So don't, don't get caught up in trying to match the person's level of zeal or whatever. You've got to walk in the capacity you have from God. Next, it's intentional. Best practices means I, I'm, des- I des- I'm desirous to do that. It's intentional. When you, that means there's intention behind it. I don't, you put clothes on today, you intentionally made sure you put clothes on and you didn't randomly pick out of your closet, whatever's clean, you decided I'm going to wear this and this is why. There was purpose behind it. Because a lot of times in the church, you do things for God and there's really no intention behind it. You just kind of floating in the love of God. And what was that? I have no idea. We're just having fun. It's one big divine party. But there's in- it's intention. You don't just go in the kitchen and say, well, we're going to eat today. I'm not sure what we're eating, but oh, no, wait a minute. There's spaghetti over there. We got ground beef over there. There's intention, right? right? Intention also means there's a bit of structure. It's organic, but I'm not careless. We're not going to spend eight hours, you know, um, ice skating. We could, but, but there's good. There's intention behind what we're doing, and then, and then finally, I like the way Shay put it. 
it's spiritual, but it doesn't mean we quote Isaiah or exegete Genesis. <laughs> it, 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 it could be it could be spiritual where I don't speak the Bible, but I might reveal the character of the Bible to you. Right. I may not use God every fifth word, but the life of God comes out of me. Which brings yes. me to a story about um, one time I went to a, the New York State Fair, and I said, God, I'm going to test you. I like to test God. I'm not telling. I'm not telling anybody here. I'm a Christian. I was working at an exhibition booth for seven days, and I didn't say a word to anybody. There was a little Irish guy and his wife beside me that were running their booth, and we would talk randomly, but not deep. He comes over to me sheepishly and kind of lowers his head, says, "Are you a Christian?" My wife seems to think you're a Christian. I kind of think so too, but she couldn't come over. But I thought I would ask. Yeah, yeah. How did you know? She just said it just the way you, you live. It just mm-hmm. it just says it without you saying it. Mm-hmm. I said to myself, that's discipleship. I'm discipling someone, but I don't have to say announce with a name tag. I'm discipling you and you wear a name tag right. like a Mormon that says I am elder so-and-so's disciple. It doesn't have to be like that. Right. So that definition is a great little thought for how to walk in discipleship. I, I also want to maybe point out or, or you can expound on this maybe, but not everyone is going to be your disciple. It's like, okay, because so, you always hear about the big, I'm the disciple shit. Uh, I'm not even going to use any names. Like, I'm a disciple of so-and-so. I'm not going to use any names so that we can keep this, like, whatever. I'm the discipleship of so-and-so. And there's yeah. like 900,000 of them people. Yes. And I'm like, how is that even possible? Because everything that you just listed in, in, in the uh, best practices means there's a relationship. Yes, it, it means that there's availability. So uh, yeah. I just want to touch on that. That yeah, we look. You will find discipleship in the weirdest places. Sometimes it doesn't even come from the place that you think it's going to come from. Yes, and, and and it's like you you expect it here, and the next thing you know, it's happening over here, and it's like what what just happened? Because I know that's what happened in my life. So yeah, I would yeah. agree with that, and and, and maybe um, uh, uh, you can chime in as well. I I kind of feel like it's organic. I, 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 and I would I said this earlier, you could invest in the world. Christ in you, the hope of all glory. That means every person you meet has the potential to see a picture of Christ by the mm-hmm. life that you live. And I'll be honest with you, you can live your faith out loud. Yes. You can live your faith out loud without words. Second Corinthians three, two life speaks your mm-hmm. life speaks. So you're investing in the world by living your life for God, wherever that is. I'm a mom. I've got four kids and I'm a, and maybe I'm a housewife with four kids and my mom, I'm thinking, where is my, where is my discipleship? Where is your life? Wherever God has put you, there's opportunities to invest. And in the field of the, the, the crowd of people that you invest in, God will give you little flowers in that field that you can disciple. Mm-hmm. But don't get caught up comparing yourself with anybody else. Second Corinthians 13, uh, 12, 15 says those who, 13, 12, those who compare themselves among themselves are not wise. You don't, you don't get caught up in looking at what that person is doing. Mm. But I ha- right. I'm living my life with God. I'm investing with anyone that God brings in my path. And in the group that I'm investing in, there'll be little in- individuals that actually respond. And they're actually, what as Shea said it best, the last part of that definition, it's a relationship. Mm-hmm. It's not, we're not colleagues. We're not distant. We're not, we're not neighbors, but it's relational. And when it's relational, it's real because right. what I relate to is real to me. Mm-hmm. That's why we keep such very close corners in our family. You can have 16 million friends on Facebook, 
but how many do you have a relationship with? Right. And when it's a relationship, it's hard to walk away from. When it's a relationship, it's easy to commit to things. When it's a relationship, you'll sacrifice time. When it's a relationship, you can you you it's more adverse effective. It can take the hits. It can take the blows. Right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I think of all of the different types of relationships outside of family that I've had that they don't start out with you from the jump being like, I mean, I remember there's a movie, I can't remember which movie, where they're like, are we, did we just become best friends or something, right? <laughs> like, it's not like this thing where you just walk up and you're like, we're best friends now, or I want to be your best friend. It's, yeah. it's something that grows through intentionality, through this organic development. um, And you might not even label yourselves that for a very long time, although it's already very apparent to others, perhaps, and you might already kind of have an inkling. And it seems like one of the best practices is intentionally being ready to be in this discipleship process from both ends, right? Not just coming in saying, "Uh, it's time for me to disciple people. And it's not, (laughs) and also it's time for me to be a disciple, right? But rather just be open to learning and, and passing on what God has given you to others and then trusting in that organic relationship in the same way that when you go date somebody, you don't on the, for most of us, right? You don't go date one and say, this isn't a date, we're getting married, right? <laughs> like you, you're, you're like on this trajectory of like, yeah, we, we taught, we text maybe once we we're, we're dating, right? We have a date and then we decide to date again and then again. And, and suddenly at some point, your girlfriend, boyfriend at some point, and at some point, then you determine now we're fiancés. And then, you know, so it's, it's, there's a, a natural progression rather than trying to force it letting God work in it, letting it be natural and not expecting to put some kind of time limit or trying to put it in this human box so harshly, because that seems like one way as a caveat to kind of send it to crash in Burnsville, you know? But I I like, I like what you said there though, because there's, there's a progression, there's a movement, right? In John 15, 15, we see Jesus do this. He says, you know, you were my servants, you know, you've served me and now I'm going to call you friend. And it's like this progression into a relationship and a deeper relationship. And that just, that came up. Yeah. Well, I like why you said that because the servant invests, Mm -hmm. but the friend that's, that's discipleship. That's Mm -hmm. really, and, and she made a great point. Discipleship is for life. There's no, there's no expiration. It's not like we're trying to get somewhere. Discipleship is for life. So once you walk down that corridor of disciple, where you're, you're being a disciple or you're discipling someone, that's into eternity. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's not a point where the relationship, where would the relationship go? I mean, the relationships were built by God to last. So mm-hmm. you, God's not going to disciple you when they say, okay, now their investment, investment can be short. That can come and go. I was living in Libya for five months. I invested in the guy down the street who sold me bread. Okay, then I leave Libya. That's investment. I don't know where that's going to go. But when it goes, once it gets into discipleship, that's for life. Right. right. That's for life. If God is in that, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so then we're going to transition here into, yeah. into the burn, right? 
<laughs> I don't want to say it like that because right, I mean, can, but it what does can happen. Cause it to yeah. go wrong. What you are know? some things you've seen? Um, <laughs> like, like we look at we look at the Apostle Paul. We look at Barnabas. We look at John Mark. We see that John Mark failed. Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul is kind of bitter. Then you see Barnabas pick up John Mark and and they go off. And then we see this beautiful success story. But in that in that burn, like what like what do you like in this troubleshooting when you're looking at this? When to stay? When to walk away? When to to move forward? How to mm. how to how to redeem or yeah. heal something that's like like you seem like ooh something's going wrong here but yeah well usually in the relationship one party sees something wrong before the other mm-hmm. which is likened to a marriage or any other close friendship one of the parties sees something wrong um, someone gets disillusioned but the, I want to use an interesting word here familiar mm-hmm. one of the things that causes a re- discipleship relationship to crash and burn is familiarity familiarity is to see someone beyond what god sees them or see them as less than god sees them and when you take off the parameter of god and how you see this person all you see is this person without god all i see is is you then i start to treat you and evaluate you based on the way i what mood i'm in Mm. will decide how i see you I'm in a good mood, and you're a good person. I'm in a bad mood, and you're, you're a bad person. So who you are to me begins to fluctuate and change without that steadying force of how God sees someone, which is not connected to any kind of mood or emotion or feeling or behavior. So familiarity, I've seen over the years, I've seen, uh, I would also say this too. Let's just deal with familiarity for now. When it crashes and burns, familiarity causes that because then someone starts seeing themselves as better than they really are mm. or seeing the other person as less than they really are. And then lines get corrupted about how you see the person. One of the big challenges that happens in discipleship is time. Over time, the relationship has to evolve. And most discipleship relationship, people don't know how to evolve. Case in point, I discipled a guy one time. When I first met him, he was unsaved, got saved, started growing with the Lord. I, I responded to him a certain way. I taught him a certain way. But at a certain point, he wasn't a new believer anymore. So I, I couldn't treat him as a new believer. He had a measure of maturity. So there's certain situations where he could get input. There's certain situations where the way he saw it was actually the good way. So I had to grow as a discipler and realizing, give him space to grow and mature and be the man of God that God is without trying to keep him in his place. And right. that's what happens a lot of times in discipleship, and then I'll give some space here, is that the discipler doesn't allow the person being discipled the space to grow. Mm. And then there's this friction because they're like, hey, I'm not 12 years old anymore. I, I, I can think a little bit with God. Give right. me some credit instead of getting babied. The other right. side of it is, is that the person who's being discipled will see the discipler that old woman, that old man, I've outgrown you because now mm. I, I, I don't need you anymore because I've grown. So there's this angst between both where the, the person being discipled, they may not be seen in correct in the involvement of where they have grown with Christ. And then the person who's doing the discipling may no longer be respected by the person they're discipling because they feel they've outgrown them. Mm. Um, I, I don't need you anymore. You were great in the beginning, but now I can do it on my own. It goes back to what you, you alluded to. Discipleship is for life. This relationship is for, and the relationship has to evolve, which means 
the younger the person the younger person in the faith who's being discipled they have to grow with god and still have a measure of respect for the person that took that the poured their life in to this person not to remove honor from that person then the person who's discipling that person has got to give room They've got to give room for that person to grow up. And, and, and the, you might find the relationship changes where we don't spend as much time together. Uh, we're not together every day. Uh, maybe in the Bible study, maybe now I share the Bible study once in a while. Or maybe I've shared a lot, actually. Or maybe I'm discipling people. So there's this, there's this growth that happens, and it, it can crash and burn a lot of times for the reasons I just said. Mm. Mm. It makes me think of, you know, when when roles start to change, because you you, did, you gave this perfect analogy with parents, I yeah. think, and children, because you know you you can get comfortable in your role, and so can a kid in different ways. Like you might be very happy being treated five, and so when you suddenly are now expected to do th- like chores that are for the older ones, it might be it might be hard to. But I also think of sometimes because we're all imperfect, and and there's seasons of difficulty that can come up and almost cause somebody's growth, depending on their emotional state and how they are interpreting what's happening to them. It can almost slow their growth down, plateau them. God's still faithful and moving in them, but they are maybe in that season less willing to learn the lessons God's dealing them. And that can happen on the disciplers side or the disciple side. And so I'm curious what insight you have into relationships where maybe for a time, the discipler is the one in need of the encouragement of the disciplee because they're in a they're in a season like they got given a curveball, like maybe suddenly their child dies and they, they've been coasting real good growing. But this is the thing that really is rocking them. And so now you're looking at your discipler like I was coming to you, but now like you're not you're in no state to give me like I'm the one that needs to feed you now and also in in certain situations where maybe like you're following somebody and then they take a they take a very unexpected unhealthy turn right um behavior wise and so now you're like now what do I do you know and I'm sure there's there's nuance depending on what the exact situation is but like, have you seen that? And what kind of advice can you give to the people who are like, whoa, like I was growing and learning and then something crazy happens. Mm-hmm. And now I don't know how to move forward in this relationship. Uh, let's address the first part of the question. Um, as the relationship evolves, it will not, let me just change the geometry of this. Yeah. People see discipleship as the disciple is here and the disciple is here. They see it vertical when it's really more horizontal. It's two people side by side walking toward God. When you see it that way, it's easier when one of them needs help to paraclete, to lean over and help. If you see it this way, your mind is blown. How can I reach up and help him? So you've got to change your perspective. Good, and that's yeah. and that's has to be presented in the beginning of discipleship. Yes. Like the many the men that I've discipled in one, two, three continents, I never present myself as perfect or better than them or above them. But I present myself as I'm for you and I'm with you. I emphasize I'm with you horizontally. There's a measure of respect and out of I I don't put myself there. When it becomes there, I'm now I've got to maintain this standard, and now you've got a you've got a goal to get up here. 
But if I'm here, and sometimes you see this when you, you share your faith with people, I've got everything, you've got nothing, let me talk to you and bring you here. But if I sit where you sit in Ezekiel 314, mm. when I sit where you sit, it's me and you and you and me, then to, you, you're gonna be, you, you can afford to be vulnerable. See, right. that's the key. When you're a discipler, early on, be vulnerable. Like, hey, you know, let me just tell you right now, if you're looking for ugly, I can give it to you, trust me. Don't assume that because we're doing discipleship, I'm hiding ugly. You're going to get it early. That's why the Bible doesn't right. hide ugly. You see all right. the ugly dirt on David. So it's the same thing. But when you come with the high and mighty pharisaical thing, you're cruising for a bruise and you're going down. Right. So right. what you're talking about in that first question is when I see my, my, the guy or the person discipling me, they need help. It's a lot harder if you put them on a pedestal. Right. Because right? all our heroes have clay feet. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's better. Okay. If I make sure I have the right perspective going in, that's a great safeguard. If I am being discipled, I want to eat the meat and spit the bones. I want to say, okay, this guy is not perfect. This girl is not perfect, but they're walking with God. And I want to grow with them as they walk with God. When you've got the right perspective, it's easy for me to reach over and help you when you were side by side. But when you're, when you're on the mountain, I'm mm -hmm. in the valley. My perspective is a shot because right. I can still honor you beside, like a husband and wife. The husband isn't over the wife, they're beside each other. But she can still honor him and he can still honor her, though their honor is not vertical, it's horizontal. It can be horizontal. Right. It's not hierarchical. But anyway, the second part of your question, and then I'll give space for Shay, is how what happens when, again, the, the same principle, the guy that's above me, the girl that's above me, they they make bad choices. They don't walk with God, or they get hit by life. Life happens. <laughs> right. We forget sometimes that they, you know, they're 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 adult. You know, they use the bathroom just like you do. They're human, so they they're they're a man of God, but they're still a man. Notice how right. Paul says that Second Timothy six. He says, "Old man of God." It's always different. It doesn't say, "Oh God, man." The only one called God man is Jesus because he was God before he was a man. But everybody else is man of God because I was a man before I was God. So right. it's man. So keep that in mind, oh, woman of God. Keep that in mind that this person is, is going to fail. And these are three great tests, and I'll stop. Time, because relationships evolve. Tests, and the biggest test is always failure. How are we when I fail you? Mm. No one knows who you are till you let till they disappoint you. Failure. That that's the real picture there of what we have. You don't know what you really have until there's disappointment, un, un, unexpected uh, 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 perspectives, uh, unrealistic expectations. The number one reason why relational conflict exists is unreasonable expectations. We expect too much of people. I think we ask more of people than God does. You're angry at so and so, and God's good, but you're furious. Because you, you, you hold them to a higher standard than God does. So I would say, uh, again, if they make bad choices, it doesn't change who they are and what they've been to you. It may change where they are. And maybe, as we say in Uganda, you scratch their back with a long stick. Maybe there, <laughs> might, be, there might be a little bit of distance. I have to love you from a long distance. Okay, all right, well, you're into a life of sin, fine. But it doesn't subtract about the quality of what you gave me. Well, maybe you're getting hit right now and you're not able to be the, the kind of person that I need. It doesn't change the relationship. It's for life. Right. If it's right. for life, it's built for adversity. 
Right. Right. It's built for. And if you and if you had I would say this, if there's someone that's discipling you and they're completely off the reservation, they're like out the out the yard, down the street and up the block. If they're that far, there can be other people that you can glean from. In Ruth chapter two, you learn how to be a gleaner. This person's discipling me and maybe they're not walking with God right now. But I can feed that. First Corinthians right. 4, 415, you have 10,000 teachers. I can I can glean from anybody. Right. I can get pieces of food and what they gave me still can still operate. It doesn't disqualify. Be careful. Sometimes when a guy makes a bad choice, he was great for 25 years and two years he makes a bad choice. It doesn't erase 25 years of great. God doesn't do that. Man does that. Oh my God, this cancel culture that we have, a guy does, it's amazing for 20, 30 years. And then you find one thing and now we have to erase everything they've ever done. That's mm-hmm. unbiblical. Imagine right. if God did that with you. Right. So we got to have God's heart for people. So those are my two answers to that. Thank you. Now, yeah. now, as you're sitting there talking about that, it's like, hello, his grace is sufficient for all. Right. <laughs> like, like it doesn't change with, with the position. And I was also, as I'm sitting there thinking about this and I'm thinking about like, I was thinking about sermons. You, you hear this because let's just take it to a basic level for some of the people who might not understand discipleship. You'll walk into a sermon and there's like 25 minutes of sermon. They're like, but he had this one point that I'm kind of like eh, about. And that's what they focus on. But they mm-hmm. forget about the other like 23 minutes of, of like solid doctrine that he put out. And they, and they yeah. just kind of narrow in on this one little this thing. That he, and it's like, did you not glean something from the rest of it? Right. And I think I also learned this. Of course, I'm a greater grace guy. So, I mean, this is the only church I've ever been in. But I was told by pastors in the, back, in the past, like, hey, you can get something good out of every message. <laughs> And I mean, there are bad messages. Let's not go there. But I'm saying in a decently, you know, doctrinal church, it's like you sit there and listen, you're going to get something. Right. You know, right. It, not everything's going to hit you right. Well, that it kind of strikes me the same thing in discipleship. It's like mm-hmm. we're you said it up front. It's like, OK, I'm not perfect. I can get ugly. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. so here I am. And so I think it's just a good thing for people to understand that there is, you know, it, it, the Bible tells us this. It says that, you know, none are none. None are uh, sufficient. You know, we're not we're not good. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to sit there and 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 not be perfect. There is none righteous, not one. Um, and it's like we have to understand that we can't pedestal. I, I like that because I know that in my past and through my all of my relationships in the past, it was always this pedestal. And, and then what happens? It crashes and burns. But like in this marriage that I have right here where we're equally yoked and we're moving together, we're in this discipleship program together. And it's like, but we're here, you know, my helpmate. Yeah. OK. The Bible says she's my helpmate, but do you do people understand the impact of the helpmate? You know, the person that you're discipling or maybe you're being discipled by is also gleaning something off of you as well, because we're all being fed the word of God the way God feeds us the word of God. And so therefore we might have a perspective that makes sense. So on that note, don't feel afraid to talk to someone who might be in that relationship with you. You mm-hmm. know, if you're being discipled, don't be afraid to say, just don't sit there and think that the only thing he says is important. I have nothing important to say. No, God is speaking to all of us and we need to recognize that in our walk together. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I, um, I see it kind of like the relationship some people have with their professors in like back when I was in the university there were the ones who sat and they just saw them as a professor that, and in their mind, they're like, they're the expert. I'm the novice. I sit and I listen. But then there were the ones who always went to office hours and mm-hmm. became research or teaching assistants and spent a lot of extra time, like just 
learning and absorbing. And I've heard stories of those conversations that they would have because they were sitting there together, like you're learning from this person, but eventually now you know enough that you can start to pour in and start thinking about it from different ways and you're, and you're giving and contributing thoughts. And then between the two of you, new discoveries, you know, in that professor's research happen um, because of the conversation they had, not with another professor, but with someone who's interested and engaged in the subject matter enough to spend extra time. And so yes. I, I see that in this process, like, except the difference is you don't have to look at anyone like they're the professor or that they ha- and, and expect that they have it all together or that, you know, like I'm, I need to find the person who has it all figured out in this area before I can learn from anyone. And so when I, when I look the, the final kind of, you know, what if, when I think about all the struggles I've seen that kind of cause people to be discouraged from discipleship or discouraged while in it, um, the, like the final one is how does somebody prepare their heart, like I, you, it's hard to prepare up front unless you really just live and love the scriptures about it. But you know, there's those untouchable areas of people's life. Like they're ready to receive critique in every area, except the one they need the most help in, right? Uh, yeah. Whatever that is. Is there anything you know that, like, any encouragement you can give listeners because they they might not even know what that area is until it gets poked. When that bear gets poked, they, their, their first reaction might be to say, who are you? And I'm done with this and all that stuff. And that very well may happen. But is there any encouragement you can give and, and biblical wisdom for those people like to prepare themselves? So maybe when that bear gets poked, it's not really in a bear anymore, you know, and they're going to handle it better and, and have a humbler take on it when that moment inevitably comes in the grind between the two. Uh, and um, Shay was in my class with me on discipleship, so he knows a little bit of this. I have kind of a continuum for how you lead into a discipleship relationship. And the first step is love. Right. If you lay a foundation of love, you can say anything to anybody. Mm-hmm. If there's no love, you can tell them the absolute truth and, and they'll burn you down to the ground. <laughs> Those areas are there and right. they were there a long time. You're not going to walk in their life and in a matter of a few weeks, wave your magic Bible and all of a sudden <laughs> just address all of their issues. It's not going to happen. But if you if, I, if you love me mm-hmm. and you demonstrate that you love me and it's been tested that you and I know you're for me and you love me, you can say the hard word to me. So I would say my encouragement would be this lead with love. Number one, mm-hmm. um, be, be a listener. Number two. Don't do all the talk. Don't be the, the disciple or that's the guru discipleship. You want the gatherer discipleship. Don't be a guru, be a gatherer. A gatherer is always going to listen. A guru is always going to talk. So lead, be a listener. Um, be patient, number three. Discipleship takes time. There's no cookie cutter. Peter grew differently than Timothy. Uh, everyone grows differently. So you're going to have to be patient. Number three, be prayerful. If you're going to disciple someone, Pray for that person. Pray for you. Pray for them. Pray for the relationship. Bathe it in prayer. Number four, be spirit-filled. Don't assume that you're speaking from the presence of God. In Psalm 17, 3, you want sentences from the presence of God. Be spirit-filled. Number, f- number five, speak in faith. This is a faith thing. This is not some, this is not, it's not an ATM at the bank. This is a faith <laughs> thing. So they're entering in this relationship. It's like marriage. 
Lord, can these bones live? Lord, you know. I don't know. I don't know where this relationship's going to go. But I'm trusting God to give you God's life. And you're mm-hmm. trusting God that I'm going to give you God's life and respond. So it's all faith. So understand, it's going to be a measure of doubt. Because where there's faith, there's always a measure of doubt. Doubt is part of the components of faith. So when you have doubt, it doesn't mean you're not living in faith. It means your faith is real. Like, I don't know. I really don't know, but I'm trusting anyway. So I would say faith. I would also say um, uh, try not to be the corrector. Sometimes we get in people's lives, we start discipling them, and we become the corrector. Trust me, after a while, they're going to see you coming. Like, they'll, say, they'll say statements like this. I know I did it wrong. And you just confirm it. Yes, you did. Well, I know you're going to tell me what I did wrong. Don't be that guy. Nobody right. likes that guy. And you hate right. that guy. We don't like the corrector. You know who we hunt for? We will wait for the encourager. Right. I will wait for that guy. When my day is horrible, I'm looking for encouragement. Encouragement is the one thing that you never ask for, but you desperately need. No one asks for that. Like, oh, by the way, can you encourage me? No one's asking for that. But you know when you don't have it. You know when you don't. When, when, you know when you need it, and you know where to go and get it. You you go find so and so. Yeah, because he's going to encourage me. He's going to encourage me. So I would say, be that. If you're that in the beginning of the relationship, you might discern. Okay, they got a drink. I got a secret drinking problem. Oh, okay. Well, he's got a problem. He's got a problem with cigarettes. Okay. Just because God shows you something, don't feel the need that you have to do something about it. There's a lot of stuff in, in, that God's going to show you. He's not, I'm not showing you so you can do something. I'm showing you because it's there. And I want you to grow in what I'm showing you. And if I give you permission, in Galatians 6.1, I'll give you capacity and timing, the right words at the right time, at the right place to touch it. I'll close with this. I had a guy who, was, who I was discipling in the South African church uh, named Bungani. He, I, I led him to Christ on a street corner in Arcadia. I started discipling him. He was an usher. He was living with his baby's mama, not married, but living together. Guy's an usher in the church. God said, say nothing. I said nothing for eight months, left it. Then one day I leaned over and said, hey, Bugani, you know what? As much as you love your baby's mama and your baby, how is God going to bless that relationship when you're not married? That's not how he does it. And you've heard that. He goes, yeah, you're right. He went home and moved out the same day. Mm. But it was easy. When you love me first, it's easy to lead me somewhere else. It's not even correction. It's just redirection. It's, uh, because correction is such a dirty word when you talk to me. Oh, don't correct me. Don't, don't judge me. It's not judgment. It's like direction. Like, hey. And then there's some things that, that might be in your life and God doesn't touch it. Like Peter had an issue with Gentiles. Christ <laughs> never touched it. Paul touched it. Christ, <laughs> Christ literally said, upon this rock, you can was this is all right, we, we're, we're live here. Peter was a racist. He had an issue with it. And, and in Matthew 16, Jesus says, upon this racist, I will build my church. What? He didn't even touch it. He didn't even touch it. Jesus didn't say, he's God. You know he saw it. He said mm. nothing. Then later in Galatians, Paul says, What's wrong with you? <laughs> Paul, Paul checks him. But Peter, right. Jesus, so was Jesus a bad discipler? And if Peter is his greatest disciple, my God, was Jesus slipping? <laughs> no, there's going to be some things in people's lives that God's not going to give you permission to touch. Right. He's just not for his right. own reason. 
So don't feel you're going to come in someone's life as a discipler and they're going to fix everything. You're going to fix everything in their life. Number two, don't ever assume that every area of your life is going to be dealt with by the person discipling you. Mm-hmm. I've discipled guys that had massive things in their life and I never touched it. And I didn't even know about it. Sometimes don't ever, by the way, don't play detective. Don't don't get in someone's life and hey, turn man. into hey, man. You, you'll go full CSI. You're taking DNA samples out of the car. No, 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 no. no. Like, I don't have to know that. I, I'm I'm gonna love you. And you know, like one spiritual man said to me, I would rather believe the best about someone and be wrong wow. than believe the worst and be right. Right. Wow. Let me let me believe the best and be wrong. Okay, so I made a mistake and thought you were too good, as opposed to. I got it right and you're too bad. Where is the win in that? Where is the winning when I discover you as the bad person that maybe you were? I already know you're bad. You're a sinner saved by grace, same as me. So what have I discovered? But sin sin doesn't impress me anyway. So I'm I'm not hunting for that. It's not my goal. I'm not filled with the spirit to find sin. And how Mm. much sin is in your life that the Holy Spirit doesn't say anything to? You know? Yeah, that's, that's, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. That's a Philippians 4-8 moment right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they I go, say <laughs> <laughs> No, I, it just in closing, because, man, this is good. And look, honestly, yeah. uh, I'm going to go back and listen to this again with my pencil and pen, paper. I know. Because like, there's so many great points and great um, just discernment in, in what's being said here from somebody who's done this for so long. Uh, I'm going to leave it out with this. I remember Pastor Shabelli saying this, that he used to have Bible studies at his house. And one day a pastor drove by and he's like, there's people smoking on your front step. He goes, well, it's better than last week. They're shooting up in the bathroom. So, you know, he had a heart to disciple. He had a heart to be there and meet people where they're at. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it is. We, we have yeah. to learn to meet people where we're at on both sides of that. Yes. Both because a discipler is also learning how to disciple while a disciple is learning how to be discipled, you know, and and, and, and walk in that. So we meet each other where we're at. Beautiful, beautiful uh, episode. Yes. Man, thank you so much for being on. I knew that this was the one I, I, yes. I wanted you for because I knew it was going to be fire. I, knew I know, this fire. one brought the you juice. Know, he, he called Peter racist, and I love it. I, I mean, like, he, look, call a spade a spade <laughs> right, when the Lord right. allows you to, okay? Like, <laughs> but it, that's but what we so learned true. today. But it's so true, and I love that that, that was brought out because Jesus just kind of like, okay, you know what? He, he's going he's gonna to come around, and he's yes. going to learn how to walk yes. the way that I, I walked. Yes. And, and it's just Amen. a beautiful thing. Yes, I think that, you know, there's so much richness in this episode. It's going to bless a lot of people. Before the end of the season, I will make a downloadable little guide to all the great stuff in this, the best practices and the big icebergs to avoid, um, because this is just very fruitful. So we will announce when that is available at thepantrypodcast.com. And as always, you can reach us there as well as support the show at patreon.com slash thepantrypodcast. And how can people get in touch with you and the resources that GGWO has to offer, Pastor Ronaldo? Uh, you can email me directly uh, at, R- at rbrown, R-B-R-O-W-N, at ggwo.org. That's the best way to reach me. Awesome. That's an email. I'm old school, so it's going to be an email. It won't be an Instagram. It won't be anything like that link. None it's of that stuff. It'll be an email. It's all <laughs> and then, good. That's, and then that's a, just... You get a phone call. I'll call you. Well, this has been an awesome conversation. Next week, we will be back to wrap another angle of discipleship up in a bow with y'all. So until next time. Bye. Bye.
Thanks for listening. The Pantry Podcast is also honored to be featured on the Edify app, Spark Radio, Spark Media on Uplifted, and Eternity Ready Radio.